Uh, let's read the passage. Uh, I feel the Lord has impressed upon me to preach this morning. Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 34, reading from the New King James Version. All right, now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This is the word of God. Now let me say here at the onset that once I felt I should preach from this particular passage, a lot of the outline of today's sermon came from my Revival Study Bible. And so I need to give credit where credit is due. All the letter D words that you see later on in the PowerPoint slides came from <clears throat> the Study Bible. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, come in our midst again today. And Lord, as you come, give us that faith to reach out, just like this woman did, to reach out to you and receive your healing grace. Commit this entire healing service into your loving hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the woman in this story is afflicted in many ways. I deliberately chose the NKJV because it uses the word affliction. In the original Greek, the word that is used to describe is one being scourged by a weep. So I don't really like the NIV, it's a very neutral word, suffering. I think the NKJV got it better here, which is affliction. It really describes the affliction that this woman went through. <clears throat> but just how was this woman afflicted? First, she was afflicted with a disease. Hemorrhage of some sort, presumably some prolonged menstrual bleeding, a blood flow issue. And I think the ladies can empathize with her. This probably made her very anemic, very weak, very frail. Plus, this wasn't just a once-off occurrence or even a month-long condition, but 12 long years. You know, in 12 years, one can go from primary one to the start of tertiary education. And so that's how long this woman was afflicted with this disease. It was a terrible condition. The depth and the duration were both terrible. Second, because of her disease, she was different. According to Old Testament laws, this woman was considered unclean, untouchable. Because of these prolonged menstrual issues, everything she touched became unclean, and so nobody could come into contact with her. You see, the original Old Testament law was given to prevent uh, the spread of communicable diseases. Imagine two million people coming out of Egypt, and if they went around passing their viruses and bugs to each other, you know, the disease would just keep spreading. So the context of the original Old Testament laws was to prevent the spread of communicable diseases. But unfortunately for this woman, it meant social isolation. isolation. 
So it meant that she was separated from her husband if she was married in the first place because of this issue. Maybe she couldn't even get married. She was separated from her family, isolated from her friends and the faith community. It's a terrible situation to be in. Third, as hard as she tried, none of the physicians could cure her. Physician after physician, examination after examination, but to no avail. And to make matters worse, she had spent all her money. In the original Greek, the word used is likened to that of money being wasted. Think of pouring money down the drain. That's the kind of imagery that the word is used. The woman has found herself pouring money down the drain. After 12 long years, all her money is gone, wasted, poured down the drain, and yet she continues to be afflicted, diseased, different, discouraged, completely defeated. That's the state the woman found herself in. Perhaps some of you find yourselves also in very similar shoes or circumstances this morning, afflicted by a terrible disease, which naturally makes us feel very self-conscious, right? When we are sick, somehow we, we feel very self-conscious, we feel very different. Perhaps some of you have conduct, consulted uh, doctor after doctor, but to no avail, and you do feel like your money is being poured down the drain, you know, after all these hospital visits, and still nothing seems to work. Or perhaps some of you had to deal with very chronic issues, repeated bouts of cancer, and you too feel very discouraged, very defeated, just like the woman in this story. But the good news today is there is a healer in town. Jesus came into the woman's town, and I believe Jesus is here with us today as well. And out of sheer desperation, this woman decided to violate all the social and religious norms of her day. She pressed in through the crowds so that she could touch Jesus' garment. She thought to herself repeatedly, if only I can touch him, I can touch his garment, I will be made well. If only I can touch him, I will be made well. In all the common Bible translations I consulted, NIV, ESV, NRSV, NASB, and even NKJV, none of them used the word which best captures the sense in the original Greek. In the original Greek, the words made well come from the Greek word sozo. Repeat after me, sozo. So you don't just learn Hebrew for me, you learn a bit of Greek as well. Sozo. Sozo is a word that is really packed with rich meanings, just like the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom, normally we translate as peace, but it really means complete well-being, wholeness, fullness. In the same way, sozo is a very rich word, whose primary meaning is that to save, to rescue, and to deliver. Just to give you some uh, examples, verses like, the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11. I have it, all the references up for you. The one who endures to the end shall be saved. Matthew 24, 13. For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world shall be saved through Him. All these words use sozo, and you and your household will be saved. Acts 11, 14. So, sozo is a word that connotates salvation in the broadest and largest possible sense. Physically, from ailments, we are rescued from our ailments. Emotionally, from a very threatening circumstance, there's relief. Literally, from the claws of death, rescued from the claws of death. And spiritually, from eternal death. So that's sozo, a very, very rich word. And in the context of the woman's 12-year long suffering and affliction, 
Sozo, therefore, is better translated as delivered. Most of the translations say healed, healed, healed of the suffering, but actually I think it really means delivered, totally delivered from this affliction. And so the scripture indeed tells us that the moment she touched Jesus' garment, she was delivered from her affliction. So family and friends, I believe that is what God wants for us to experience and to understand deeply today in our healing services. I've had uh, at least seven testimonies after our last healing service some months ago. Two of them were shared live. 10, 30 folks here, you heard the testimony yourself. Two were in the publicity video and three were through SMSs. And so we have to really understand God's heart. Every time there is a testimony, whether it's a testimony in the Bible or testimony uh, through sharing in the print or live, God is inviting us to experience God's grace for ourselves. Every time there's a testimony, it's an invitation by our loving and powerful God, come and experience this for yourselves and see that God is real. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So whether he walked literally in the streets in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago or he's exalted and reigns on high today, he's the same Jesus Christ, the God who released healing in the past continues to release healing in our world today. Of course, today he does it differently through the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. So you and I are now agents of God to bring about his healing. Perhaps some of us, when we walk into church today, we may be very depressed, very distressed, very discouraged, defeated. But with Jesus, we can find complete deliverance. With Jesus, we can find complete deliverance, not just from our physical afflictions, but also emotional and spiritual deliverance. When the woman touched Jesus' garment, the scripture says, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that the affliction was gone. So it was instantaneous, something that she could experience for herself. And that is why uh, after healing services, usually I ask the people, do you have a testimony? If you felt something different, testify. Because if it's obvious, you will know it, just like the woman experienced that complete healing instantly. And Jesus himself, knowing that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now let's try to imagine this scene for just a short while. I find it very hilarious, but also very uh, real, very true to life. His disciples said to him, Jesus, you see everyone is pressing against you. Everyone is touching you. Why are you asking who is touching you, right? But Jesus didn't just see things from that very natural human perspective. He looked around to see who had done this thing that had drawn power for healing out of his body. And this short passage here illustrates the crucial difference between a person who operates by faith and one who just simply operates by sight at a very human level, very logical level. The woman had faith. Maybe you can call it desperate faith, but still she had faith to believe. She had this faith that all it takes is really for her to touch Jesus and she will be healed. That's the woman who had faith. The disciples, on the other hand, had their spiritual senses dulled. They couldn't believe that it's possible, you know, that you know, someone would just touch Jesus and be healed. They could only see things from a very realistic human level. Lord, everyone is touching you. What are you talking about? If the woman had approached the disciples first, probably they would have turned her away and said, Oh man, after 12 years, there's nothing we can do for you. Please go away. Don't disturb the teacher. 
But thankfully, the woman had faith. She did not, you know, approach the disciples first. She went straight to Jesus, the healer. She refused to accept status quo. She refused to accept status quo that her current condition is a result of God's eternal will. Do you hear me? She refused to accept status quo that her condition is definitely God's will forever. In a way, her desperation forced her to transcend normal human expectations and even so-called crossed over into God's boundaries. Let me explain this and let me examine uh, Jesus' response carefully so you can see how she crossed over into so-called God's boundaries. All three synoptic Gospels, we call them synoptic because uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they kind of record similar accounts, almost viewed through one similar lens, synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, they all record this account. And among the scholars, biblical scholars, it is almost undisputed that Mark is the first of the Gospels to be written, and Matthew and Luke basically reference, took reference from Mark, plus other sources they added in and then wrote a newer version, so-called, of their own Gospel. And so in Matthew's account, I put the references up there on the slides, in Matthew's account, he ends out a seemingly contentious issue, which is, is it possible that Jesus did not know who touched him? Is it possible? So in Matthew's mind, I don't think that's possible. And so in his account, you read it for yourself. It's recorded as such. The woman came up, touched Jesus, and immediately Jesus turned to her and said, You are well. Your faith has made you well, daughter. Be healed. So he takes out a lot of confusion. Jesus knows exactly who touched, her, uh, touched him, immediately turns to her and said, You are well. So Matthew removes this theological problem that Jesus, being the all-knowing God, could not have possibly not known who touched him, and so he resolved that problem that way. Luke also redacts, edits this account to emphasize a bit more of Jesus' divinity. In Luke's account, first Jesus asks, Who touched me? And then Luke inserts this phrase, When everyone denied it, Peter said to the crowds, they press in on you. I said to Jesus, the crowds press in on you. So Luke makes the disciples look a little bit better. When everybody else denied really, then they came and offered their solution from their point of view. And in Luke's account, Jesus explicitly says, Someone touched me, for I felt power go out from me. So for Luke, he raises God as really the Son of God, a divine being who knows that power had gone out, and he says it explicitly to everyone. But here, in Mark's account, Jesus never says those words out loud. Read it carefully. He never said those words out loud. He merely looks around to see who had done it. In Mark's account, probably the earliest and the most accurate account of what took place originally, Jesus does not appear to know at all who touched him. What Jesus did feel was that power had gone up from him, and that's it. He did not seem to have the prior knowledge that this would happen or even the identity of the woman. If you look at the larger context of Mark's passage, Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house to heal his 12-year-old daughter. You can read the context for yourself. Jesus' chief assignment, so-called chief purpose, was to heal Jairus' daughter. That was his main sovereign purpose, to bring healing to Jairus' daughter. And so walking through that region is incidental. 
not intentional. He didn't purposely go there to heal this woman. He wanted to heal Jairus' daughter, but he needed to walk. He's not going to fly there or drive there. He just needed to walk through the town. And yet, this woman was healed and delivered, completely surprised. The theological implication of such an interpretation, which I offer to you humbly, is tremendous. Are you ready to hear it? The theological implication here is tremendous. And that is, faith. Faith allows us to budge in. Budge into God's sovereign purposes. Faith actually allows us, gives us an open door to go in to God's sovereign purposes. Notice I did not use the word change, God's sovereign purposes. We cannot change God's sovereign purposes. But somehow faith allows us an entry that was not planned. Again, look at the context. Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. That was his original sovereign purpose, to bring healing to this girl, little girl. And in the end, she is healed too, brought to life, in fact. So there's no change at all in God's sovereign purposes. But the woman, this woman here in our account, by her faith, actually took Jesus by surprise and received healing. Jesus had no intention to heal her. He had no idea who touched him, and yet she barged in literally by her faith, and she received the deliverance she had been looking for for the past 12 years. Of course, to be fair, even in Mark's account, Jesus eventually had to turn around and find her and declare complete healing over her by saying to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Be delivered. Be sozo. Be sozo. Delivered from your affliction. And so even if we barge into God's sovereign purposes, we still need God's authoritative word of healing upon us to be declared upon us. And that's found in the word of God. But here we must allow the full weight of the revelation to heat us and to sink in. Faith allows us to budge in, to enter, to take part in God's sovereignty and God's grace. Wow. Now for those of you who may be a little bit stumbled, think of this imagery instead. Hopefully they will help you better understand. Think of a child barging into their parents' work desk you know, or study room, which my children have most grievously committed from time to time against me. But they barge in because they know I love them. I will take some time to just entertain them, even if it's just one, two minutes, and I need to get back to my work. My so-called sovereign purpose is to do my work, but when my children barge in and demand something from me, whether it's a cup of water you know, or just to tell me a story, I will take at least a few minutes to address them before I go back to what I was back uh, doing. And why would my children do that to me? Why would they barge in? Because they're my children. They have a relationship with me. And in the same way, God allows us as His children to have free access into His presence. Our Heavenly Father sees us as His children. Do we actually dare to walk in by faith through Christ Jesus, what, done, what Jesus has done for us to enter into His presence to boldly ask for deliverance and grace? The woman did in this story. She was healed and delivered. And Jesus in the end calls her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. He didn't address her by the very neutral woman, but He called her Daughter signifying the relationship is healed 
Not just physically she was healed, but now she's restored to God as a daughter. Just to be pastoral, in case some of you still cannot take this theology that faith allows you to budge into God's uh, sovereign purposes, I want you to know that you are not alone because the gospel writer Matthew could not handle it either. That's why he changed a bit of the story. An alternative uh, theological take on this issue then could be perhaps something like that. Uh, God is so sovereign that he will factor in a segment of time that allows you know, for people to just come in and he does some things here without interrupting his sovereign purposes. So no matter how you see it, regardless of how you see it, if it's too cheap for you, it doesn't matter. The point here is God's grace and God's power are always available through faith. God's grace and God's powers are always available through faith, regardless of who we are. It's all about God's grace and power available through faith. So that's the big theological implication of this passage. Jesus' original intention was to touch Jairus' daughter and bring her back to life. But here we have the woman who touched Jesus instead and received the healing. Faith allows us to march into God's sovereign purposes and receive God's grace and healing for ourselves. The practical implication of this revelation is also tremendous. In a short while, I'll be reading out some words of knowledge that the prayer leaders have received. And so this may be God's sovereign purposes. God has desired to heal certain people. That's why the conditions were given to the prayer leaders. But even if these conditions, what you are suffering or afflicted with, are not listed here, you can still enter by faith to receive God's healing for yourselves. And so the practical implications are also tremendous. So let me just read out right now some of the conditions that the prayer leaders have waited upon the Lord and received uh, for us this morning. And I think it's relevant for you here at, also at the hub. First of all, dental or gum pain. Second issue, one of stomach whether it's a stomach cancer, stomach indigestion, stomach flu. I think the word stomach came up several times uh, by various people. Depression, especially the heart, these issues. Depression, loneliness, cancer, and ear issue that is not due to OH. Other issues that the prayer leaders have received, a food that needs to be operated on, marital conflict and fighting between husband and wife, spiritual oppression, anxiety and panic and fear. So there is some spiritual attack here. Uh, another person received left ear condition, left ear condition. Mm, maybe another confirmation. All right, so these are the words that the prayer leaders have received directly from the Lord. So those conditions later on, if that's you, whether you're here or at the hub, later on I invite you to stand and we'll get the rest around you to pray with you. But like I said, even if these conditions, your condition is not called out, you can still boldly approach God, just like the woman did. Unplanned, not part of God's purposes at all, but she budged in anyway and received deliverance and healing. I want to end off by returning to the many points gleaned from today's scripture text. From a very realistic human level, a lot of diseases, afflictions are incurable, untouchable, so-called. Alzheimer's, dementia, degenerative bone conditions, glaucoma. Right? A lot of them are incurable, untouchable. 
just like this woman who was afflicted for 12 long years, deemed untouchable. But from God's point of view, these are not impossible. Do you notice a lot of the conditions in the Bible are really incurable, untouchable? People are deaf, mute, blind, unable to walk, completely lame, shriveled hand, and God healed every single one of these. It's our perspective. Do we see things from the disciples' angle, very realistic? Ah, it's just not possible. Or do we see things from faith angle? With God, nothing is impossible. I pray that all of us will allow that faith to arise. I want to challenge you to budge in to appropriate God's healing and grace for yourselves so you may see God's grace, love and power. The woman was afflicted by a disease. She felt different, isolated. She was discouraged, defeated. But by budging through the crowd, she touched Jesus and she was completely healed and delivered. So family and friends, invite you to stand right now, especially, in fact, those of you who are afflicted. We don't cut off the, the broadcast for just a short while until I say so. But if you feel you're afflicted, wherever you are, and the conditions that I called out earlier, especially if it's relevant for you, I know it's vulnerable to have to stand up, you know, to tell people that you're afflicted. Uh, but I hope you have that step of faith to stand and allow your vulnerability to be shown. We don't need to to just tell people openly what we're suffering from. But wherever you are afflicted, just stand where you are, and uh, I'll give instructions in a short while. So if that's you, you need a touch of healing from the Lord, come please stand, yes. Those of you at the hub as well, I invite you to stand where you are, especially if the conditions are uh, called out. You should have a lot of confidence that God really wants to touch you and heal you. Let me just give a few moments for everyone to respond. As you stand, I invite you to just pray to the Lord and reach out to Him by faith first. And so I want to give some instructions here. I'm not going to invite you to come to the front, but I want to activate the body of Christ to do the work of healing. And that means all of you, I want you to look around, those of you who are seated, look around at your brother or sister who is standing in Christ. If you can, you're near enough, uh, reach out to hold your hand or just place a hand on their shoulder. Please do not touch any other parts of their body for privacy and uh, modesty reasons. But if they're not comfortable, even with their, your hand, their hands, Please do not impose it on them. But just turn around right now, those of you who are seated, and stretch out a hand and just reach out to those who are standing. I'm going to pray a prayer of healing and then we will cut off the broadcast and I'll leave it to Pastor Colin and the ministry team there to further do the ministry. But let's pray. Lord, I know you are here. Yes. I feel your presence, God. And Lord, where your spirit is, there is liberty. Lord, as you have released the woman in the Bible passage from affliction, Father, release right now your children here from their afflictions. Use us, Lord, as the body of Christ to reach out and bring healing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.